Hello and welcome back to Inspector Goals, the podcast where we try to improve our play through a more analytical approach. How are you doing, Luke? Good to see you again. I'm I'm very good, man. I'm uh, rushed off my feet, as you know. Uh, literally like three days of checking around schools for my oldest daughter to go to, which has been joyous to sit there in the uh, in the hall and listen to the teachers big up their school. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you called me very old for having to do that, so thanks for that. That's right, but... no problem. <laughs> yeah, so real life's been getting in the way quite a lot recently, been rushed off my feet, so um, haven't had much time to think uh, FPL-wise, which isn't ideal when you've popped your wild card like me, so hopefully this um, this chat will will help steer me in, in the right direction. Yeah, we'll see. I, but I probably only called you old because I'm insecure because I'm turning 30 next year and having a crisis. Um. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, it's all de- it is definitely all downhill from 30, mate, I'm telling you now. But it's, yeah, past my, uh, well, no, entering my prime. Yeah, if I was a Premier League centre forward, which I'm not. I think that's debatable these days. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Um, yeah, how was, um, how was your last game week? I don't think we've done a pod together, have we, for quite a few weeks? We general. have not. Uh, my last game week was, was shit, just like every other one for about four weeks. They've been so bad. Like, everything's just been bad. But I haven't really been keeping up to what like everyone else's score is in the drama. So I don't, I mean, maybe that sounds... Um, insensitive of me compared to some people. I know people, other people had bad weeks as well, but around 5 million, I think 45, no, 48 points I'm just looking now. Mm. I don't know if that's good or not compared to most people. Like I said, I've been involved, but it didn't feel good, put it that way. Um, was it a red arrow? It was absolutely a red arrow. Mm. Um, I think about 600,000 places or something. Um, it's not, it's not mm. ideal at this time of the season. Uh, Estupanan coming off the bench was, was probably the, the kicker that really, really hurt. <laughs> And um, that's part of the reason why it forced me to wildcard, actually, is just the fact that uh, it was Botman that missed out and obviously just signing Botman, who was mm. key to holding my plans together. Because um, I was always on a wildcard 10 strategy. Um, and now I just look at my team and there was too many holes to deal with in two weeks. So I decided to, to go early. But yeah, it was not great. How, how was yours? Well, I was good, actually. Yeah, it was oh, like... of course it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I remember rock, now. But, but just a watching, just... basically. Yeah. But, um, I that's unreal. Yeah. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I basically had Watkins at the beginning, and then I had Tripper and Saka like most of the people, and then everything else was rubbish. But yeah, just Watkins is enough for a really good game week. I got sixty in the end, so it wasn't anything like absolutely outrageous. But yeah, very good because because of Watkins, and it was like one of the that twelve thirty game. It was kind of the. Do you know when people tweet and they joke and say, "Oh, all I need is so and so player to score three goals and get two assists, and then my game week." Yeah. Seven. And then this player, I've got high ownership to score, who I don't own to score an own goal, then my game will be fine. That's exactly what happened. It was like, <laughs> I you'd already scored a brace, and suddenly a stupid hand scored an own goal who I don't own. I couldn't believe it. And then it just, yeah, it just kept coming. But yeah, great. That's why we played the game, I guess. Um, that is definitely why we play the game. Those yeah. moments, like, I used, to, I used to get those moments every now and then, it feels like. It doesn't feel like I've had them for a long time, but they are pretty much exactly why we play the game. Those huge hauls from those players are yeah. so, so cool. And satisfying, um, satisfying as well because like I'd had him since the first game week and held mm, him the whole time. He's, and he's just done, a great pick. He's done really well. He's just started well. Just like got, he kept getting five points, and then he's just got gradually better as a, in terms mm. of just points. Um, I'm, I'm in like um, a group chat on WhatsApp, and I, I mean, I'm sure some of them might be in the chat or watch this back, and they'll vouch for me. Literally every week, I'm trying to bat off people saying they're going to sell Watkins for different people, and I told them to keep them the entire time, and then. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, just done really well, and then he came through. It's great, but then I I sold Watkins for Alvarez in like game week three, so yeah. um, it's the usual thing of like what I say seems to go pretty well, but what I actually do doesn't particularly work out. Although Alvarez, 
I don't know, yeah. maybe for instance, game week three, they're probably quite close to be fair. I was going to say, you probably not actually missed out on that many points there. No. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's satisfying, not just because of the points, but actually he's one of the players that because I've held him is probably allowing me to hold my wild card, um, mm. to be honest. I mean, I basically had two options this week. It was either make a transfer and, and roll the other to try and hold my wild card as long as possible or just go all in. I would, I would have bought Morris and Kaminsky. Um, whether I'd have captain Morris or not, I don't know. I think I probably would have, but I'm not sure. I don't know, to be honest. And that would have been that would have been like that would have been really good, but it was just that was committing to wildcard this week, and I didn't want to do that. Um, so I would have had a monster score if I did that, but I'm I'm pretty happy with where my team is at in terms of being able to hold the wildcard now. Um, I think we're like, did you say are we level on points, or have I gone down since the Estupinen subbing? Uh, probably. I think we were we were level on points maybe before Luton played or even before the Chelsea game, but there weren't many points in those games, so we're we're similar, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm, but my rank's about five hundred k. Um, somewhere which yeah feels like pretty good to be honest considering where most people are um i think it's yeah. a pretty decent start it's it's just so close it's just kind of one game week but like an awful game week and i'll be two million so it's yeah just, doesn't i'm not that. overly fussed about rank like especially this early on as yeah. well but um i think it feels even worse because the last two seasons i think for me particularly and i think um in general really amongst the community Everyone's mm. been in and around like sort of almost the top 100k, almost the top 20k quite a lot of the time from the beginning, which is just a fantastic start. And you just kind of get used to it, don't you? And accustomed to it and think it's going to happen again. Um, but yeah. there are absolutely no guarantees in this game. And that's sort of, that's what people need to learn. Like, it's mad. You can look at any, I mean, well, how many game weeks are we? Seven weeks in? Eight weeks mm. in? Um, you know, if you were to pick, I think, again, I always say this kind of stuff, but if you were to pick seven game weeks at random out of the season, forget that they've happened in a row, it doesn't matter. And then, then say I'll, I'll compete against someone who doesn't really know against uh, much about FPL. You, you don't really have, you know, it's not as good a chance as you might think of actually just being ahead of them. Like there's so much randomness in those seven weeks. You know, anyone at work who doesn't even know about football and picked them at random. Like literally, my missus is beating me, and she's not looked at a team for five weeks. <laughs> like it, it happens. Welcome to FPL. Welcome to football. It's just a, yeah. a realization for everyone. I think. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, there doesn't have to be a reason for everything. Just stuff no. happens. Like, for example, even within one game. So, well, take the Brighton-Villa game. The stupid man had a one-on-one with the keeper, missed it. If he scores that, I'm screwed. It's a high ownership defender that scored mm. against me. Watkins probably goes on to blank. It's just, it's, <laughs> I think it's it's like doing a podcast about trying to pick the best numbers for the lottery sometimes. Yeah, like, I mean, the variance weeks, levels. In, in game weeks like this, anyway. The variance has just got all different levels to it, hasn't it? It basically refereeing variance it just seems to be absolutely mental as well. It's like in terms of penalties, or quite often whether you get one or whether you don't. Yeah. Like even that's been a huge luck factor. I think you can. I mean, today they've they've come out, haven't they, saying that they got a couple of decisions wrong that would have benefited most people. I think I've got yeah. Mbomu, you know, stuff like that. I, a stupid end zone goal shouldn't have been given or something. I've got him. Yeah. Like, I mean, we could, yeah, to replay the game week like like Klopp, <laughs> Klopp was saying, but um. Yeah, it's there's it, nothing you can do about it. You can't beat yourself up. It's just one of those things. Hopefully, as they always say, it will level out eventually. Um, I'm skeptical. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, and so you're you're wildcarding now. This game week, you were trying to hold it till ten. Uh, I guess for a bit of like context, my plan at the moment is to um, hold my wildcard until nineteen, but I'll play it sooner if I need to. That's the plan anyway. So me and Luke are in different positions, um, mm. and we thought with this episode we would go through. We just basically put out a tweet asking for questions and loads of them were really good and kind of covered what we were likely to discuss anyway. So we thought we'd actually just go through the questions first. So yeah, as, as we do that, pop questions in the chat as well. 
um, and we'll get straight on to the first question, which is <laughs> the, thing, the thing that a lot of people are wanting to discuss at the moment, which is from FPL underscore Burnley. Is Luke contemplating no Haaland? A lot of souls on review are recommending it for my team. And that's, yeah, because you're wildcarding. Yeah, what I think everyone... Early thoughts? I think the vast majority of people in analytical circles are. I, I think I'm right in saying that, at least the chat I've seen. Um, yeah. And it's not necessarily even on wildcard. I think they're actually looking to move there just with free transfers, potentially, to get Salah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the strategy that I had in mind for 10 had Haaland, and I wasn't really going to back down from that. Um, I had thought about maybe not going without him. But when I popped the wildcard early and I'm looking at 8, for some reason it just feels easier to go without Haaland. I suppose it's probably also the fact that they just play Arsenal straight away, which yep. you know shouldn't shouldn't be the, the reason because it's just one game and obviously Haaland can score against Arsenal. But it just it, it was all the other sort of edge pieces as well, just seemed to work better and have a better squad overall. Um and I'm sure loads of other content has covered this and uh, and loads of the analytical chat know it. It's you know it's not about um Haaland necessarily it's about a combination of players and, and how much EV you're squeezing out of it and just not having Haaland and captaining other players considering his huge price of 14 million um does look like it's probably the best way to go will it end up being the best way nobody knows as we've already discussed we don't know yet um you know I'm, I'm not one of these people who thinks that and I'm sure no one does that Haaland can't do well in this period I think he can do fine in those games and especially some of them are very very scary like home to Bournemouth particular home to Brighton um, those are games where if he plays and gets big minutes, he's going to be heavily captained. I, I'm not really bothered about EO, but the reality is if he does really well in those games weeks, it's going to hurt. But yep. it's about how many points total he gets over that large period in combination then against your captain. You know, on that individual week, if Arlen gets a hat-trick and Salah gets an assist or whoever I might captain, yeah, it might hurt. But over between the seven weeks gap between me and whoever that person is, I might do better. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the way I look at it. Um and it's it's also there is an element of just trying to make it a little bit fun. I know we're not supposed to be doing that really on this podcast, but I've played this game for a long time, and um, yeah, people say points are fun, and I totally get that they are. But also, just having Harland in your team perma for the whole season and having captain all the time doesn't particularly make it that fun for me. So, where there is a chance where the math says, well, actually, this is this is a good opportunity to do it, um, I'll probably look to take it. I'm not completely sold, but. <laughs> The reason for that, actually, is because there's just more news coming in all the time, right? Lots of players yeah. are now dropping down with injury that made it more viable. And, um, yeah, now that's not necessarily the case. I mean, I have a draft with Haaland in that I did before, and I really like it. So I still may go with it. Um, I, pre- I presume for you, Luke, it's Salah and Haaland, or just Salah rather yeah. than just Haaland. Yeah. No, yeah, Salah's, Salah's in there. I mean, it's just too many, too many good games for him and too many times where I would look to captain him. So, again... I'm happy to pay that price for that reason. So I haven't fully settled in either way, but at the moment I'm I'm on no Haaland, probably like 70-30, I would say, as far as that. So that's that's probably what I will end up doing. Um, yeah. Are you look? I know you're obviously on not on wildcard, but are you looking mm. to move there as well? I know you've been a very much an advocate of no Haaland during the coming up scene. It's very easy to be when you're not wildcarding though, <laughs> just to peer pressure other people. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, is that your tactic? <laughs> yeah, and then I don't I don't sell them. No, my my plan uh, is in game week nine to do Sterling. To Salah and um, Haaland to Alvarez or to Nunes or to Slanky or something. I, I might mm-hmm. have to delay that by a week now, that move, because I'm having to d- make an extra transfer this week, so it would be for a hit. So I think it's most likely that I do it in game week 10. But yeah, I'll definitely, if I was wildcarding, I'd definitely sell him, and I'm I'm pretty certain I'll do it 
in 10, but maybe even in 9. Um, mm. And it's just I was just looking at the EV here on, on review over the next 12 game weeks. Um, if you just look at just raw EV, um, Salah's 6.5 ahead of him, so like half a, a point or EV per game week, which is like pretty... Um, like that's quite significant. It might not sound like a lot, but particularly when you bring captaincy into it as well, and the fact that um, Haaland's probably the best captaincy option in two, maybe three of these next eight game weeks. That's a, a huge part of it as well. That maybe, uh, maybe some people are overlooking who just wouldn't consider it at all. But I think the key thing for people is that like don't be closed-minded to it. And it's the same with like the analytics a lot. Where now there's a massive amount of momentum on going without Haaland like you should have the same attitude as you as you in terms of being willing to change your mind if circumstances change and more mm. affordable players become more viable because I think, I think that's the key thing but yeah ultimately it's just yeah his price and those fixtures and it and the thing I, we I talked about this with Sertalp on the podcast last week is very much a unique circumstance like he's got seven or eight really bad fixtures in a row or you know and a player like him can have bad fixtures. Seven or eight of the worst fixtures in a, in a row. Um, and it happens to coincide with Salah having really good fixtures at exactly the same time. Um, so I just think, and in a season where suddenly a lot of prices are very low. So it's a unique circumstance. I don't think it will happen again this season um, unless we get to, to double game weeks, basically. Mm. Um, just because of the way the fixtures have fallen. Because uh, I wouldn't normally consider it. Um, yeah, but the price the price has caused it. The 14 million. If it was 12 yeah, million... Pricing. It, it, you know, it's it, yeah, exactly. It makes that it makes that decision. Mm. But I will say the EV is still close enough for me, even if it was six. Just if you are that kind of person, and I know it's not raw mass or anything that mentally cannot deal with the fact that Harlan's not in your team, and there could be weeks where you are, you know, gonna gonna be regret it because you know he's an absolute machine and it's hanging to it. Then just don't do it to yourself. It's fine. Mm. I don't think there's that much of a, you know, if it was clearly obvious you should go this way, you should not. I don't think it is as clear as that. I. I I do think those fixtures are tough, Ireland, but when I look at them and the actual teams, I know, again, we probably shouldn't go this way, but a lot of those teams aren't playing particularly well either. Will they continue to do so? Like, I feel like he could do f- absolutely fine. Like, I don't think his yeah. output stay from now to where, uh, from the beginning of the season till now, will necessarily dip in those fixtures. Um, but you could argue even at the at 14 million for what he's performed in those first fixtures isn't, isn't necessarily worth that price as well. We're just kind of conditioned to it. And I've been around in this game long enough to know that there are other players that I've picked in the past that were 14 million. And some of them have worked out pretty well and been good. And some of them have just not worked out well. Mm. I don't think Harland is one of those, but it is possible is what I'm getting at. There are, there are times when a player who has looked unreal and looked like everyone must have him in a team, like Van Persie was one for Man United. Um, and yeah, there's other factors, age and David Moyes turned mm. up and other things, but um, it didn't work out. No one ha- no one saw that at the very beginning necessarily. Um, so it, it can happen for a small period where you can get away with it basically. So that's what I'm willing to chance, I guess. Yeah, yeah, sure. And in, in terms of like accommodating him or, or sorry, being willing to get rid of him, if I just go to the next question. Um, so th- this question is from Jack, FPL underscore Jack. A lot of talk about no Haaland wildcards, but the key to justifying Haaland in solves appears to be Morgan Gibbs-White. So if you have to get him in as well as Salah, he's often the players you go for. Is Haaland worth the price of picking and starting Morgan, Morgan Gibbs-White for the foreseeable? Is he is Morgan Gibbs-White Morgan Gibbs a robot pick? Um, <laughs> the first thing I'd say on that is it's more than just sacrificing one player. Um, like in my opinion, one of the, the, the key things of just having Salah rather than both is you end up probably using a lot of transfers around those mid-price midfielders um, to 
to um, target the other fixtures. Um, players like Madison, Saka, for example, Fernandez, Rashford, to get the right players at the right time. Whereas I think if you commit to just having Salah, it becomes easier just to have a, four other quality midfielders. So I think it also saves a lot of transfers and allows you to use those elsewhere. And, and there's other potential positions you're um, yeah, sacrificing as well if you have Haaland and Salah, Haaland and Salah particularly. Yeah, potentially Watkins, potentially Trippier. Depends on your team. But yeah, any yeah. thoughts specifically on Morgan Gibbs-White? Um. I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of him. I think he's a decent player, but I don't. I don't really like him that much as a pick. But I under. I completely understand it. The price is there. The fixtures are fine. Set pieces, penalties, usually yeah. nailed for ninety. I know he missed last week. I think that was a bit of a surprise, but um, I can't see that happening. Mm. Well, very often uh, again. So it's fine. Like I, I don't mind it. Like I don't gravitate towards him, but I, like I say, I think it's a fine pick if it enables you to to get Highland and you're happy with it. I mean, I, I did make a team. My wild card team that I had in mind for game week ten, going off on a bit of a tangent, has didn't have Morgan Gibbs White in, and it has got Harland Watkins. It basically just gets rid of Trippier instead. I think that's easier at ten because Newcastle's fixtures aren't as good. Like I do find it quite funny at the moment that Trippier was like always a casuals pick. He's awful. Six point five million is ridiculous. No one's going to have him, and then. You know, he scores a lot of points in two weeks and suddenly he's like, absolutely, everyone has to yeah. have him. Rip yeah, up your yeah. wildcard teams, have him in. Well, not really. I mean, I think the robot had it right. It, you, you got him in for the really good fixtures and yeah. he happened to have a great outcome during those fixtures. It doesn't mean that that's going to continue. I think the fixtures are fine. I think he's a fine pick and a fine hold like he always was. But it's somewhere in the middle for me. I don't think you need to... I don't think you need to have Trippier personally, like, at mm. all. Um, he's a nice pick, but... I think if it was like, can I get Morgan Gibbs White up to someone else? Um, but it would result in me having to drop Trippier to do it. That's the route I would go anyway. Mm. I think. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I just thought you know it's different for me because I'm not wildcarding. So I've not thought it through to the same extent. But for me, like he's just Trippier's just a player I want, and it's not just his. Uh, yeah, it's not just his assists and and, and goals. Um, sorry, it's not just his assists plus clean sheet potential. It's just the fact he always nails those three bonus if he just gets one of those things mm-hmm. um, yeah. but it's interesting do you know if you've run any solves uh, or when you've planned your team so have you generally gone without Trippier then generally I go without him I mean yeah. um, in the team that I've got without Haaland um, yeah. that I made quickly it's got Trent Alexander-Arnold instead so okay, I could easily I, I could easily get Trippier obviously because he's cheaper uh, yeah. instead that way but um, but yeah I felt like Liverpool's games were better basically and that's why I've gone for it so um, yeah, I don't have any problem with it. I just think, like I say, if you're not happy about Morgan Gibbs White, I think Trippier is one you can look at. Because, I mean, again, we saw a lot. I don't know if you watched the game last night. Fantastic versus PSG. But um, I do think it's only a matter of time before it does start to take the toll on them having to do that over and over and over and use use that amount of time and energy. And they've got the, the fixtures aren't quite as good as the last two. I don't think he's a bad pick. Like, I don't want people to miss me. No. I think he's great. It's just, I think you can justify it. Um, when you say when. Sorry, when you say it takes a toll, do you mean in terms of performances or do you think there's a chance Trippier would be rotated as well? I mean, I said, I said that before. I think there's a chance. I don't think it's like something we should worry about, but I just think that it, it, that could happen. But I think more just in terms of the level of the team and the performance. They're getting injuries all over. They, you know, Isak and Wilson keep picking up knocks. Um, they're a good team. I, you know, I'm, I'm scraping the barrel trying to trying to say that he's not. But, you know, Botman's missing. He's he's really good player. Yes, Lascelles came in and he did well, but how long can, can that happen? And, I know he's yeah. probably he's back in a couple of weeks, maybe. But um, yeah, I just think that, that you could you could quite easily go burn over Trippier, and that two million is still a conversation. You know, at the end of the day, 
um yes he gets the bonus yes he's more likely to get assists um but I mean, you're already seeing not that that's going to happen every week. But, but Burns can score goals apparently like every other week as well. So um, the centre backs are just decent picks. It's a big difference that two million. If you really want to cover the Newcastle defence, um, which I don't particularly believe in, but if you do want mm. to do that, I think Burns a fine pick at four point five, four point six. Like I don't think the, yeah. the gap there's huge personally. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I agree. I think it's absolutely fine, and it depends on uh, what else you might afford. Like even with Botman, I think. A lot of people have Botman, but again, it's, it's similar to Burn. You're going for Botman over Shah because of to save a bit of money. I think Shah long term has the better goal threat than Botman, and just because Botman's have the had the better goal threat so far this season, I don't think it suddenly means he's the most attacking of those defenders outside of Trippier. I think it's still Shah, and I think if money wasn't an option, Shah's their second best defender as well. Um, although there's maybe more chance of him being rotated potentially. Um, but I guess yeah. on the subject of uh, defenders, and because you've just mentioned him, Trent Alexander Arnold there. I've not actually seen him in any wildcard drafts apart from Andy Martins and now yours, Luke, nah. as you mentioned. What company to be in? I'll take him out instantly then. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, no, that's... Yes, so yeah, sorry, I'll read out the question for those listening. So this is from Luke7 underscore FPL. Uh, other than Salo, who do you think is the best Liverpool asset on wildcard? Darwin has the best data, but is a minutes risk. Diaz has good data and has better minutes. Uh, but other midfielders are potentially better. Trent may be a dark horse if we start keeping clean sheets. Good team defensive data. Um, yeah. So yeah. In terms of Trent, if you have the money for Trent, why why wouldn't you just use that money to have a stronger midfield, for example, or to just have yeah yeah just have Trippier and upgrade elsewhere. Yeah. No. No. I, I get it. I mean, I, the Trent thing as well. He's only just back from injury, isn't he? Um, is he playing tonight? I'm not sure. Yeah. If he's in yeah the he is. Yeah. He played. Yeah, he's, he's starting tonight, yeah. Okay. We have seen it in the past when Trent's come back. Um, they haven't sometimes completely just rushed him and he started every game. So I suppose there's still an element of doubt of how fit he is. Like maybe he plays tonight and maybe he gets, Yeah. Um, even though it's Everton, of Klopp's been open to rotating versus Everton a lot in the past. It happens quite often for some reason. Um, so yeah, his, his minutes may be the teeniest bit of concern just, just around that. But um, it, it's really just a fixtures play with Trent. I think that you... Just like Trippier, like, like I just mentioned, he, he was seen as a bad pick. The, the games weren't great. And then as soon as the good game started, he started being great. And Trent is basically the equivalent of Trippier, isn't he? People might say that Newcastle's defence is better. And I'm open to say, yeah, probably is. Um, but I think the fixtures are that good for Liverpool for such a sustained period. It can make up for it. Um, and I've got the extra money, so why not? So I, I do really like Trent. I don't think he's by any means like um, definitely needed or anything. Um, yeah. between, between Diaz and Darwin... I like both of them. I think they're really good as well. The issue with them, as, as everyone keeps saying, and, and I agree, is the international games like that they've got just before the early kickoff versus Everton in game week nine, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again in game week 13. I think it's game week 13. In 13, I think they play City afterwards, so I'm not too worried about that because they'll probably remove them anyway. But that game week nine game makes it quite hard to go for them because that's um, that's a good game that you'd want them to play. Mm-hmm. I think it's home to Forest, if I remember rightly. Oh, looks that much but uh, game week nine let me quickly check for you uh game week nine uh everton yeah. at home yeah everton at home sorry yeah so, that, yeah that's the week where i think i think if according to review uh salah's always been the best captain there but something's changed recently in the numbers and now it, it just about prefers Man- um, harland against brighton see i, I prefer harland in that game mm. like if i had harland the 100 percent he'd be my captain home with brighton mm. and that, that's a scary one for me um 
yeah, but it, it's the fact that Darwin and, and Diaz are both going to be playing probably in internationals. Um, we know in the past Klopp has rotated uh, after the internationals, just before early kickoffs in particular. Um, so I, I think there's a very big risk around the minutes versus Everton. So that that's the only concern. But outside of that game, if you can cover that game somehow, or um, one of them probably plays because there's just the options and the injuries they've got at the moment with Gakpo, but as to which one it is, I couldn't tell you. Uh, but if you've got like a you're open to benching and you still think that you can cover that well, then I think um, they're both good picks. To be honest, I would I would edge more towards Darwin than Diaz, just simply because first of all his numbers are just ridiculous if you can get the minutes right. So if you get lucky on the minutes, potentially you get very lucky in general. Um, and also the fact that Diaz is just a midfielder, right? And midfielders, there's just more options in, in strikers. There's probably less. So, yeah. But that's my preference. I don't know if you've got a preference. I mean, I know you love Darwin as well. So I, I guess oh, yeah. probably... I had Darwin for two long, long last season. Um, yeah, I, I really like them both. I just think the issue is the alternatives are just far safer in terms of minutes. Um, and yeah, I just hate having to use transfers. Uh, and, and yeah, regretting moves and having to do that. So I would just go with, with safer options, to be honest. And it, yeah, I think I think it's potentially an option for anyone who's like wildcarding in ten, for example, if they need someone for a one week punt next week. I think that's where it's potentially an option. Another another thing that makes it viable is, I think, uh, Liverpool and Everton play at twelve thirty. That so there's, there's more chance there'll be a leak, for example, for that game, and you might just know for certain Darwin's Darwin yeah. starting against Everton, and you might just yeah bring him in for that one game wildcard in ten. So I think that's the position where I would potentially consider it. And um, but yeah, it's an amazing run: Everton, Forest, Luton, and Brentford. And before they play Man City and after the Brighton game. And I mean, the Brighton game is probably a really good fixture based on how they, they've played yeah. tonight, apparently. And just in general, like they're, they're just, they concede a lot of chances and they have done so far this season. And even like Estupanan's out now as well. So I think um, that's, I, th- I think that fixture is absolutely fine as well. Um, yeah, I if I was wild, after that as well. Yeah, if I was wildcarding, I, I, I wouldn't own either of those two players, I don't think. But yeah, I've thought, I've thought about it, like particularly for that move that I'll probably make in 9 or 10 that involves removing Haaland. The three players I have in mind are Alvarez, Solanke or, or Nunes. Um, so I'll have to... But it depends how brave I'm feeling because I think in terms of upside, yeah, Nunes 100% has the highest upside because if he does play 90 minutes or even does start regularly and you manage to predict that for those three fixtures, Everton, Forest, Luton, like you're, you would 100% have him out of those three players. But even just missing, just getting benched in one of them is a huge deal. Yeah, uh, he's even carrying a knock himself, isn't he? As Klopp said, yeah. so I know he's starting again tonight, but there's something they're kind of managing. So it's definitely, it's kind of, it's definitely risky. But it's kind of like, uh, yeah, I guess finding out that he had a knock and that's why he didn't start the last game in a way is a good thing, though. The fact that you know that that kind of implies that he otherwise would have started, and it's very much like last season he did very much just lose his place. It was as simple as that. There was the end of the season, the last ten games or so, he just didn't start, um, mm. and he very much just. I think it was his defensive, the defensive part of his game in terms of pressing. He just didn't really understand Klopp's system, uh, and like Klopp's commented on that. But then this season so far, Klopp in press conferences has, has spoken about how how great his work is off the ball. Uh, specifically, kind of pointed that out a few, number of times. Um, yeah. So that makes I me think to, that he'll um, keep his place. I spoke to yeah. Ping Green as well, who came seven hundredth last year. In case you didn't know out there, I didn't know that. Um, no okay um yeah he's a big liverpool fan and he, he was yeah. basically saying he thinks Dar he thinks diaz and darwin are in his words nailed but like mm. outside of the facts of the international window and when they come back he did say that week's a big risk but 
what he's saying is Gakpo and J- and um, Jota are very much going to be for Europe, and those two are for the Premier League. That's his opinion. He does those predictions and stuff. Um, you know, it may not may not end up being like that, but it it gives me a bit of confidence that you know he's at least in his preferred pick at the moment. Um, yeah, it's the the minutes thing with Darwin still. It's the fact that you know he can go off. I think with the Jota injuries, you can almost punt that maybe the Jota injury lasts a bit longer than they're saying as well. That gives you that yeah. little extra bit of confidence. Um, the other bit I like about it is the fact that. Again, if you can handle that game week nine, like for me, I've got a plan with Darwin where I've got Dan Byrne in my team who I don't play that often, but in that week, Newcastle are home to Palace without Eze as well. So I'd, you probably think Newcastle are odds on for a clean sheet there. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you're happy to bench Darwin, if you get a leak, he doesn't play, you can just play Dan Byrne and I'll be happy with that week and then I can carry him. So I think that's yep. that's like a decent option. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And the other thing is the fact that you can downgrade him to the likes of Solanke and Alvarez, I think, afterwards. You can kind of take that high-risk punt now mm. where the other other options are injured and and then sort of see what happens and see when they're coming back. And if he is an issue, then there's kind of safer options you can go down to. Yeah, it's that thing, isn't it? It's harder to go up to a player um, yeah. if, you do it the other, if you do it the other way around. Um, Dan, uh, Daniel Banks in the chat was just mentioning... Um, uh, what did he say? Oh, could Trent... Or and Diaz or Darwin cover Salah. I would just say to that is thinking about players from the same team covering other players is probably not the way to think about it. I would you're ultimately comparing Trent to other defensive players uh, and looking what else you could do with that that money. I wouldn't compare it to Salah's points. I would compare Salah to other players at his price point or within midfield. Um, but yeah, like they 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 ultimately Salah does well. They'll probably do well also. You'd you'd think, but. Yeah, Salah's miles ahead of them, and I would one hundred percent prioritise him if you're if you're wildcarding, as, as we've already mentioned. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of other questions there as well, but we'll answer questions as they come up if they're relating to what we're discussing. If not, we'll just answer them when we get to the end of this question period. We'll just come back to them. I like um, James Smith's comment. No Holland, big Willy club. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> Let's go. Um, next question. Uh, Luke's take on. Solanke versus Alvarez on wildcard. Um, this is one of the analytics FC conundrums uh, on a non-Harland wildcard, assuming Luke doesn't have Harland in his wildcard. Um, yeah, so basically Solanke or Alvarez. Um, which one do you have in your team at the moment? Or do you have them both? Or... Uh, Daniel Banks in the, comment, in the comments just said Salah and Darwin off at half time, by the way. So that's pretty yeah. good as well. I hope that's not injury related. But um, <laughs> if not, looks good for a start, versus Brian. But I think it was a no brainer they were going to start anyway that game. Um, interesting, my take on that. Okay, I haven't decided on this one at all. Um, most of the drafts I've done have not had Alvarez in, just simply because the fixtures, again, aren't that great. But I, I'm like, I'm actually really, really scared to lose him because I just think he's an absolutely fantastic pick. Mm-hmm. And I I just think that value is is pretty crazy. I know he's overperformed. Like, I don't think that's in question, but um it's just the whole thing that he's he's so cheap. He's on all those set pieces on penalties. I think the added thing again we haven't seen about, you know, he plays in Haaland's position. If Haaland doesn't play or if Haaland subs off and that may start to happen now the game's come thick and fast, or Haaland could just get injured as well and suddenly Alvarez becomes like you know, even with those games, arguably the very best pick in the game straight away. Um, yeah. So I, for me particularly as well, I bought him at 6.5, which is his starting price. So I lose money. Uh, well, obviously I, I gain it on the sell price, but it's going to cost me more to get back. And yeah. if he does end up being one of the best picks in FPL for the entire season, I don't particularly like this mechanic on a side note, but it, it kind of, 
encourages me to try and keep him because then I own him cheaper than everyone else, yeah. um, which I don't like because, like I say, I want to play the fixtures and stuff and actually manage my team rather than have that dictated to me. But, um, yeah, I'm really struggling. I think Slanky's fine because the games are really good. He's cheap. Like The rotations work out better as well, I think. Quite often when I had Alvarez in my team instead of him, I was benching Alvarez a lot, so it almost felt like I'm just keeping him because I really like him more than I'm actually going to use him. Um, so yeah, I'm not. I've not decided. I think honestly, I think the sensible play for is Solanke, mm-hmm. but there's something about Alvarez that just makes me not want to get rid of him. Like, I don't yeah, know. yeah. is just that like security, isn't it? He's going to play every game. He's on penalties. Um, in terms of Bournemouth's fixtures, let's have a quick look. Yeah, the the next three are good: Everton, Wolves, then Burnley. Mm-hmm. As well, um, so yeah, I can definitely see why people would go for Solanke. Um, but yeah, he also I mean, helps. I mean, that that money there is quite a difference in money, I think, isn't there? If I remember rightly, yeah, I think um, so. for now, now there is anyway, mm. and that and that helps with the rest of the team as well. So yeah, 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 yeah. I, I've, not, I've not owned Alvarez, so if I was wildcarding this week, I'd, I'd think I'd be more to have Solanke, but it's probably that reason because Alvarez mm. is that little bit more. And if I have Solanke, also that, feels... that might be the allow me someone else. This this probably isn't the the right take, but also the fact that it just feels a lot easier to bench Solanke. Like I'm happy to have Solanke first on my bench, and if he goes mad, I, I wouldn't even particularly bother me. Whereas mm. benching Alvarez is hard to do. <laughs> You're benching like a Man City starter in any game, and it just feels wrong. And maybe maybe yeah. any, maybe anyone who has Alvarez wouldn't be looking to do that. But the way my team set up, he would potentially be on the bench some weeks, and it's scary. Yeah. Yeah, just another question. Well, two other things in the chat. Daniel Banks, Diaz Porton. Oh, I love Daniel Banks. He's like our own Jeff Stelling in the chat, just updating us on all the live games. What a guy. Um, Stefan well, says, um, would you have one of them with Watkins? Yeah, is is, is Watkins just an absolute no-brainer for you then, Luke? If you you know going without Haaland? Um, if you're going without Haaland, he's, he's a no-brainer, yeah, yeah, I think. Just because the other picks, Darwin, Alvarez, are great. Solanke, mm-hmm. but he's probably, well, he's got that combination of being safe as well as being a good pick and the fixtures are good like he's got everything there really um the only annoying thing is he's lost penalties um i prefer him to have them even though he's not particularly good at them so yeah i think he's a no-brainer there Uh, i think if you do have a harlan team though it's obviously quite hard to get up to the eight million and then that's where i don't think he necessarily is a no-brainer um yeah in fact it's quite hard to fit him fit him in i think yep um Great. Sorry, that question was from for us from FPL Gato. Uh, this one's from um, Ryan Cameron at Flair Player. Uh, is there any logic to certain players struggling against a low block, or is it a lazy narrative? <laughs> uh, yeah, do you want to share your it? thoughts first? Or do me too? Um, I mean, that kind of sprung on me. I didn't know these questions are coming. Um, I think it's almost certainly just a lazy narrative, to be honest. I don't really think it's much of a factor. I think we remember the times when mm. they they fight, you know, they go up and come against a team who likes, for example, Spurs versus Sheffield United the other day. They put in a low block. It was hard for them to beat them. Um, and that sticks in your mind that that's a thing, that that would happen. Mm. If you looked at the goal averages scored by Spurs against different opponents, the weaker the opponent, that they score more goals. I'm very, very confident over a long, long period. Um, cool. So I don't think there's much in it. There's also that, like, game state of football is very important but you don't know what the game state's ever going to be no one can sit here and say for sure how that game will go like mm. they could have scored a goal versus Sheffield United in the first five minutes and if that happens the game could be totally different you know yeah. straight away and um, there's also the side where um, where 
um, you could say, okay, the game's more open. They're not playing a low block. So let's say they start the game open. Man City score, or let's just say it's Man City versus whoever. They score one, two goals straight away, go 2-0 up. They then, as people will say all the time, that team then coasts and doesn't try to win the game. So you almost, by being very open and getting your goals early, you can force yourself into a situation where it's almost like no one wants to even try and win the game or score goals, according to you know FPL Twitter and other places and stuff. So you're almost putting yourself into a, the equivalent of a low block by being open in the first part of the game. Like to me, yeah. it's all just kind of a nonsense. You can't control what's going to go on in the game. The bookies' odds are there for a reason. You know, Spurs are heavily favourite to beat Sheffield United because they're a better team. So, yeah, I, I would I would just say that like it it isn't necessarily a lazy, lazy argument. It just often is. Like it, ultimately, teams play a low block for a reason to try and. Um, reduce the amount of goals but generally we know that worse teams will do that against the better teams anyway they'll try and do that and it's generally you generally use lazily and to really uh, people have very extreme opinions opinions on it and will say things like oh I think Sheffield United is actually a harder fixture for Son than Liverpool is and they'll use the last two games as a way of proving that because it was a low block but no ultimately there's way more chance that Son scores against Sheffield United than Liverpool um, so I think it normally, and quite often on FPL Twitter at least, is a lazy argument, but it's not necessarily one. And it's yeah, true. It's, 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 it's like the the cliche of when people say, "Oh, it's harder to play against ten men," and that it's obviously that's not true. Like it's easier to play <laughs> against ten men, but it's just that sometimes when you play against ten men, it changes the game state, and they just sit with everyone in, and therefore mm. you remember those times where the teams just struggle to score. Um, yeah. So yeah, ultimately no. you're more likely to score against a, <laughs> a team with with uh, ten men. And also, if you play a team that is come out and trying to attack and, and, and take the lead and, and do well, well, sometimes that team actually does pretty good at that and then just ends up you just end up losing to that team, 2 or 3 nil or something. like That can happen too. We yeah. saw it with Aston Villa, I think, um, and Brighton, for example. I know they've ended up being very open and conceding a lot, but it was a surprise at the time. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's a lazy narrative when it comes to players. Like the end of the day, managers and real football, you almost have to separate it out because in real football, the manager will say, okay, this player's probably better versus the low block and there's a lot of space yeah. just outside the penalty area and you want your David Silver types and people who are intricate and they can move in and out and they might perform well in those games you know we hear Pep Guardiola talking about it all the time and then you have certain players where when it's a you know a transition game the game's gonna be stretched they're better at runners like tactically they're they're more useful in that game yes but um, I don't think that necessarily then translates to FPL points with that no. player no, yeah. that's the difference that's different yeah us kind of actually knowing that and being confident enough of that and then it may actually make it being enough different to, for it to actually impact an FBL decision is, is a different thing. It's like when we talk about confidence, isn't it? Like player confidence is definitely a thing and players definitely play better when they're more confident, for example. But for us to predict how much that impacts players or the, the extent to which that makes a difference isn't enough to influence FBL And when decisions. it can change as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good question um, as well. A uh, quick question on West Ham. Um which is an interesting one because actually their their fixtures overall are really good over this next period. Just their immediate next for these immediate two aren't, which I guess is why there's not many West Ham players in wild cards. Um, but this is from Stefan, uh, who says, "Why do you think Bowen isn't popular with models? The fixtures don't seem that bad over the next eight to twelve game weeks." Yeah, this one was a bit of a surprise to me. Not the question because, I, like I say, I'm on wild card and mm. I was looking at Bowen and if I want him and, and whether I don't. Um, and then I listened to some content as well, and I saw everyone was saying, like, you got to have Bowen, you got to have Bowen, and then he wasn't appearing in Souls. Mm. I always had Bowen in from game week 10, I think I was looking at, 
and I didn't really like his first two fixtures. And I think that's probably a big part of it. We discussed just before as well. Isn't it Villa and I can't remember who else it is, Newcastle, Newcastle mm. which everyone says like the best defence going and you know everyone wants all their players and you can understand why. So I think those two games are pretty tough for him, to be honest. Um, I do think it's probably a little bit more down on Bowen than I would be. Like I think he is a good option, um, but ultimately he doesn't take any, well, not that I've seen, doesn't really take any set pieces. He has done in the past, but maybe I'm wrong. Corners, there, but with, yeah, with, he yeah, takes some corners, but then I think that's just reduced since Ward Prowse has joined. Yeah, with Ward Prowse and, mm. and that number, you know, he doesn't have penalties anymore, um, which he did have at one point. It's more just playing that striker role. I looked at the team data as well in terms of the team attack, which yeah, it's not shouldn't really be about that with the individual player. But West Ham are a poor really overall and so far this season um, from what you might expect. You know, they're, they're mid table basically. Um, you know, Man United attacks better on paper. Everton's attacks better on paper. Chelsea's attack. You know, teams that you wouldn't necessarily think. So, yeah. Um, I haven't looked at him as an individual and maybe his data's fine uh, and great. And, and like I say, I probably will have him from 10, but I don't think he's a pick that you have to have from eight. I, I don't really like him for eight. Like, he could do fine, but I don't think you need him for eight or nine. Yeah, for those who still have Bruno and Rashford, you might see a lot switch in 10 when they play Man City. But... Yeah, because after that they've got Fulham, Luton and Everton though United. But some people will still make the switch there maybe. And it's just similar to what I um, um, mentioned before about Diaz. A lot of it's just to do with alternatives as well. Whereas immediately, if you're on wildcard, Madison and Son have an incredible uh, next fixture and fixture run. You're going to have Salah in there as well. I, yeah, probably Bruno because of the fixtures. You might still have an Arsenal player. Might have in Buemo. There's just There's just lots of options within there, I guess. Uh, also, yeah, but, but yeah, it's to do with decay as well, isn't it? Ultimately, there is more. His fixtures might be great over the next eight and twelve, but those first two are more important than the uh, eighth or the twelfth yeah. fixture in terms of we the, don't know. The EV's more secure and more yeah. predictable for the early earlier fixtures and the later ones. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's a big part of it as well. We don't. There's less chance he's going to be fit for eight and twelve. We just yeah. don't know that with any player. Having said all that, I may end up starting with him on wildcard, by the way, just simply because some of the other options have now depleted and it saves a transfer for me to get him in in 10. So I still may go into to getting him. Um, but yeah, I just don't think he's the necessarily needed right now. Um, great. Question from Emma at Jump the Wave. Shout out to Emma for all her work with predicting lineups. Um, she says, can you share your thoughts on optimal goalkeeper pairs? Uh, discussion of bargain picks for those of us with tra- tragic team value. Uh, I guess this will help Sam in game week 19 as whether well only a 14 player team may be the only affordable option thanks Emma big boost of confidence um, <laughs> um, yeah so in terms of keepers on wildcard what is the kind of template there actually in terms of those wildcarding Luke I, I genuinely don't know because I haven't been looking at anyone else's mm. team for that um, I, I, Ario, I mean Ariola wasn't template actually when I did it on review at least it, mm. it, it, he didn't come up which really surprised me Um I think uh, I had all sorts of different goalkeepers appear. I think Leno still appeared, which I wasn't, I was quite surprised about. Um, yeah, I think Turner's obviously still there just because he's cheap. Um, how long he ends up staying in goal is, is debatable. So, I don't know. For me, Ariola is just clear. Like, I don't know why you'd even avoid that at this point. The game's yeah. not great initially, but obviously after a while, go uh, are, are very good. And he's just so cheap. I mean, we're happy to pick poor keepers at 4 million and he's 4.2 in a good team. So, yeah. Ariola is just absolutely clear. I, I'm more than happy to say go Turner or go even like a 3.9 not player and just mm-hmm. play him if you can use the money. Like that's something I've looked at as well. I don't think that's like a. I know a lot of the analytics crowd like to have rotatable keepers and another option in case someone get injured. I get the benefits of it. 
And more often than not, I just end up getting it wrong when I rotate goalkeepers. I mean, just look at Pickford Turner again. It's just tragic every time I even try and do it. So I just think just just having taking that decision out of my hands and just having Ariola is like it feels just feels like a benefit. I think everyone will be on him as well. So if you are one of those people who cares about effective ownership and how the game week goes, like literally all you're going to see is people cheering on Ariola and, and that's it. I would have thought so. You, yeah, I, go on. I would just say you. I mean, you would you just will have rotating goalkeepers though. Like you're gonna have two playing goalkeepers. You're gonna have well, Ariola. I don't know. I might have Virginia. Oh really? Yeah. Because Turner's four, okay. and if I think he loses his spot, mm, um, yeah. and I need the point one, then I may just stick in someone random. But that, sure. you know, may, may, maybe not. I haven't actually got that though. I've got Raya and Ariola. Yeah. So despite me saying all of that at the moment, that is a rotatable goalkeeper pairing. Where quite often, because the rotation isn't actually great in terms of like the fixtures, like on the day where Raya's got a good game, Ariola's got a good game as well. So I already know Ariola's getting thirteen points and Raya's conceding, and I'm gonna be mm. absolutely raging. But I just feel like Raya and Arsenal's game, like at that price and their games and stuff, I, I really like him. And the fact that most people won't have him, there is a slight worry that maybe he just like loses his place as well. So I think some people just won't pick him based on that, and that, that could be yeah. the case. So it is a I, bit of a risk. Yeah, I, I honestly wouldn't be. I just think it's really clear that he's signed him as his number one. Uh, essentially, yeah, yeah, definitely. He's, he's just. I think a lot of it's to do with just how good he is with his feet, and the fact he's been playing in in. He played in midweek, didn't he, again in the Champions League? Um, yeah, he made a bit of an error with his feet there, though. That's what people are saying. Sure, I just um, don't think Arteta will be swayed by that. And I mean, the only, and particularly if you've got Ariola as well, I think if Ramsdale comes in, it'll only be for like a one off game for whatever reason. I just can't see that switching. I think Ray is just a significantly better keeper, in my opinion. Right. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> the only worry is that Arteta mentioned in a press conference that he regrets not subbing. <laughs> Or something is keeper mid game, but yeah. I don't know if it's the kind of thing that they just say tongue in cheek or whether they actually yeah. do it in reality. I don't. He think is so. a lunatic, to be fair, but no, yeah. he probably he probably won't do it. Um, I, I mean, so. will it? If he lost his place and I had to rely on Ariola, it's not really a problem. It's just the inconvenience mm. of having to then sort that situation out, and obviously sure. blocking yourself out of a third Arsenal spot is quite an important position, right? It'd have to be something I address pretty quickly. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of like just having Raya and Ariola from now uh, for a while, but. Um, to change him to Flecken for the double game week, probably. Uh, change yeah. Raya to Flecken when that happens. Is it 19? I can't remember which, which week it is now, but something like that. Um, and, and on that note as well, I think that's the other one I like is Flecken. I think if you just have him here now, the rotation is actually pretty good with Ariola if you want to do it. Mm. Uh, if you don't want to do it and you just want to leave him on his bench, that's fine as well and just play Ariola. But then you've kind of got him in place for that double because it will come around pretty quickly. Um, yeah. And yeah. it's almost saving a transfer down the line. And it's it's just if if again if you're doing things on review you can go up to twelve game weeks like game week twenty potential doubles just beyond that at the moment so mm. I think in nine and ten wild cards you might see him more just because that potential double game week is included within it and people want to save a transfer there mm. um, or not necessarily save a transfer just get that extra EV potentially for having a doubler even though the second game is against City um, but yeah he blanks in eighteen so you'll need to have Ariola. Um, He'll need to be ready to play then. He plays Man United then. The other thing is that Ray is not allowed to play against Brentford, I believe, in game week 13. Okay, who do West Ham play in 13? I didn't uh, know they, that. But it's that it's fine. Yeah, they, they play Burnley. Um, yeah, well, yeah I, noticed, yeah, I noticed that because I looked on, again, I was looking on review and suddenly saw how low down Ray was and I was confused. Yeah, and then he has, he has zero X-Mins in that one-off game against Brentford. Makes sense. So that's obviously part of his contract when he signed him. Um He's a permanent signing, wasn't he? He wasn't alone or anything, was it? Um, 
So it must have been in the contract that this season he can't play them or something. Um, I suppose the the appeal here for the Raya thing is just the fact that we, I mean, he's shown signs already where he's able to get bonus points, like even for Arsenal. And we know for Brentford last season, he was ridiculous. Um, so it's just that kind of upside thing that we think, well, Raya potentially could be the best goalkeeper in the game. Um, we don't know that for sure, but there's a chance of it. So am I willing to risk it when I've got the backup of Areola? That's kind of the way I'm looking at it. I think, well, maybe I am because that's the kind of manager I am. So I'll try, probably do it. You know, it may end in tears and Ariola scores more points than, than Rea and I have to sort it out maybe even later. But to me, it probably feels like it might be worth it. So I, I might go for it. But I've also seen Johnston. People say Johnston because it work, rotates quite well with them to begin with. So mm. I think there's a number of options. And really, I think all of them are pretty good. And goalkeepers are so hard to predict anyway that I would just say that you sort the rest of your team out and then whatever you're left with at the end, you just go with whatever options available. Like, yeah. I'd, I'd put the least effort into it because or maybe it's just me. I can't pick a goalkeeper for love nor money. So just ignore <laughs> everything I've said. <laughs> um, yeah, and Raya is on loan, by the way. It's like a loan. Yeah, I, kn- I knew he was on loan. I just, yeah. he didn't twig until yeah, um, you suddenly said he can't play Brentford. So of course, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I didn't, re- didn't realise he was on loan, I don't think. Yeah, it was yeah. the dodgiest deal of the, the, the century, mate. I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> they announced it was a loan. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like any Probably one of those to- where it's a loan but to buy, but it's 100% to buy, isn't it? Yeah, and they're getting around some kind of loophole or something. Um, Great. Um, This is from FPL Double Bogey. Sam has Saka, I think. What's your plans if out and late wildcard? Regarding him in 10, are you selling then reversing? I guess that's mentioned because of his fixtures. Um, I think he plays Sheffield United in 10. Yeah, he does. Um, I've actually already sold Saka. I sold him really early in the week for Son because of the. I was pretty certain I was going to do that move. And it was a bit risky with Son's fitness, but it seems like Son's okay now and Saka's potentially injured. So I've got away with it, I think. Um, but my plan, yeah, is potentially to just go without him for that Sheffield United fixture. So I won't be bringing him back in straight away because after, after Sheffield United, he's got Newcastle. And to, yeah, invest in Arsenal players again from game week 12. Uh, that's my plan at the moment, which allows me to roll the transfer uh, in 10 potentially use one in 11 and one in 12. Um, that's my plan at the moment. But I, th- I think Saka um, is like fine to to keep hold of if you have him because he's been called up to the England team, hasn't he? So I, th- I think if you've got him and, and you don't have the the transfer to move him out either, I think you can just start him this week. It just, yeah. Um, the fact they're playing City, I just think there's a very, and just Arteta's history of just blatantly lying in press conferences. My guess would be that he just starts, but who knows? Um, I would just I'm just thinking about it now though I wonder if the fact it's City you know with these types of injuries we often say oh he'll either play zero minutes or 90 um, when it's like a case of risking but the fact it's Man City that does make me think if it's a bit risky is that the kind of game where actually if he is benched he's going to come on if they're drawing and he's just going to risk it a bit more because of the importance of the fixture uh, yeah I don't know, it's, just, it's, worth, it's worth considering I guess yeah I suppose it is. I mean, you don't really want to be playing in versus City if you can help it anyway, do you? Yeah. But I mean, he's fine. He, 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 I think he still is the first person on penalties if they were to get one in the game like that. But mm. um, yeah, I, I think he's fine. I mean, I sold him simply because he was going down on value and then I can bring him back in 10 or 12. Like you say, that's the plan and avoid the yeah. fixtures. But would I be surprised at all if Saka just continues to score points and be fine? Like, I don't think he's an urgent sell. Like, there's probably... No. Lots of other problems in, in everyone's team at the moment, given the amount of flags that are floating about. So I think he's probably like low down on the priority list to sell. Um, yeah. if, if it's like your situation where 
like the only opportunity to get to Sun and that he's got great games and he's a captain option, like I think I would have done that as well. So you probably have either already done it like Sam or or now it's kind of like you just keep him, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I think um it's again it's to do with the alternatives, isn't it? If you've not got Son or if you've not got either Son or Madison, that's where um if you've got both of those, that's where it's really viable to just keep him, to be honest. And he's then got Chelsea and then Sheffield United. So yeah, mm. it's very it's a very team dependent one, isn't it? Um yeah, let's move on uh, from questions. Um, I'm glad we did it in this order, um, just because I think we've covered loads of what we were discussing now anyway. But we can just quickly run through. We've basically got an optimal wildcard team. This is just based on, I use the word optimal there very loosely. We've got a wildcard team based on FPL review and a solve that I've run. Um, so we'll just have a quick look at that and discuss it. Um, yeah, so we've, we've asked um, FPL review for permission to share this, just so everyone's aware of that as well. Um, this is a this team here is based on uh, twelve weeks, zero point eight five decay, um, heavy solve, normal free transfer value etc. So a pretty like standard settings and just selecting the top line. Um, and for those listening, it's a team with um, uh, Raya, uh, Trippier, Burn, Salah, Son, Fernandez, Mbwemo, Madison, Dallo, Alvarez, Watkins, then a bench of Ariola, Cash, Archer. And Zinchenko, um, you might want to open this on YouTube just so you can see it. Luke, it's lower quality and ask. Yeah, I've done that. Um, yeah. Um, so this is kind of their idea of an optimal team. So double Newcastle defense uh, with Dallow in the starting eleven, captain Salah this week with Son Vice. Um, yeah, I've t- talked through that already, Luke. So I guess the kind of obvious question is how different is this to the team that you're potentially going with, and what are the things that would uh, stop you just going with this team? Yeah, I mean, it looks a lot like that, um, to be honest. it's For my team at the moment, the defence is probably the biggest difference, mm. I would say. Um, it's got Raya in, I just noticed. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better. I've been yeah. quite surprised at that. I thought it was being off-key. Um, yeah, I think the midfield's pretty similar. I mean, I, in my team, I also have Bruno Fernandes, like, for, the, for, for two weeks. That ends up going to Saka, probably, or Bowen. Um, I just think those games are too good. I know Man United have been awful, but we've kind of been robbed of a few options as well with the likes of Eze and potentially Diaby and other people. So, you know, when you're looking for a midfielder for two weeks, I'd love it to be a Liverpool midfielder. I'd love that to be Diaz, but we just discussed the fact that he might not play the second game or the minutes are a bit riskier. So Bruno Fernandes, the one thing he does bring is that those 92 minutes there, like he just could be so happy and secure that he's going to turn up and play. So he's been a massive letdown. I've had him in my team the entire time. I've wildcard and he's still in my team. <laughs> like mm-hmm. surely he just plays back the favor, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to keep him. So that's pretty much the same in Bomo. I've got rid of, like, I think the fixtures are okay, but I think with him, you know, everyone knows he, he's kind of playing a little bit of a different position at the moment. Brentford don't look quite the same and there's other options. So maybe that's just going shiny toy and going somewhere else. But I, I think he's fine. Like, I would be happy to to keep picking him. We're saying we're scrambling around for options as a result of like Eze's injury and that, and and he does he does do a job there. So I don't begrudge that. I just want to look elsewhere now. So that's what I'm going to try and do. The big the biggest issue I got with that team really is again the double defence from Newcastle. I'm not 100 percent sure on that moving forward, and the fact that Dallow's in there, which I know is a review darling, and I totally get it, but I just think Man United are so bad. I don't know whether I can bring myself to do it. Um, He's also like, if he was 4.5, I'd be more happy to do it. He's like 5 million, I think, or oh no, 4.9 is right on the screen. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know if I want to pay that much for him. I just think Udogi and Poro are better options, at least in the immediacy as well. Yeah. 
I think with Dallow, a lot of it's to do with the fact he's just completely nailed for the next couple of months while they have injuries. Um, and he does tend to play 90 minutes and he puts in a lot of crosses. Uh, he's a bonus. Because of that, he gets a lot of bonus points. So yeah, I, I like him for that reason. And because I'm a, uh, a sheep that just follows review. I've already got the team. <laughs> have you already got him? Yeah, I just don't have any faith for the games, clean sheet, yeah. but I suppose you can yeah. apply that to you know so many teams, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, someone in the chat saying Zinchenko over Gabriel seems strange. Um, I wonder if that's a yeah. price thing. Um, one thing I will add to this is this is just based on kind of inputting my team into review. It's just running it with one set of settings. It's based on my team value. So you know, when I said word, the word optimal before, it's, it, that depends. Like I would recommend anyone on wildcard to run solves with different game week thresholds, with different free transfer values, try it out with different settings and try and work out what the common themes are you see lock in players if you're absolutely set on them and make uh predetermined moves for example so it's not as simple as just running a solve like this at all this just gives us a general idea of the kind of players you want to be mm. uh considering and just just and again it also just shows you that in a standard optimal team there's no Haaland, um which is just really interesting and good for the game um as well and uh someone mentioned as well that archer's still wearing his villa kit there <laughs> which is very true um, he is yeah yeah, um, and he's an interesting one actually. Archer, he's just like a. It's just really nice that there's a player that's four point five that will play. Um, yeah, he's actually quite difficult because if you want to go like there's teams I've looked at, like I say, where you you go Solanke or Darwin alongside Alvarez and Watkins, and you go for a front three, um, and you can still have a good midfield as well. Like, and, and it just becomes a rotatable option where you bench one of Alvarez or Solanke. Let's have like a really strong team. This is with with no Harland, obviously, so you got so much money. Um, and I think part of the negative, strangely, is the fact that you end up losing Archer. I know you can always go back to him, but it's like, well, Archer's just such a default, mm. easy pick, isn't he? And he just yeah. enables a lot. So if when you go back to Haaland eventually, which I think is probably 16 when he plays Luton, that's probably the time I would look to bring Haaland back in. Um, you know, having Archer there is, is an easy way to do that and sort of messing around using transfers on 4.5 million strikers doesn't sound ideal. So yeah, he is yeah. part of that problem, I guess. But I, also th- I think that's actually... I don't think we really know how many who's on penalties of Sheffield United. It could be Archer. I think I it think, probably is, but I don't know yeah. that for sure. No. He's the kind of pick where, if for example, he's playing Fulham this week, if he scores and then they get a penalty and suddenly he braces, like he's the kind of player that will. Yeah, he's he's a great player as it is, to be honest. And particularly, he feels like, like a mini Solanke. He's like yeah, a mini he's, Solanke, isn't he? He's great. Yeah, he's he's a really really, really good player. Um, so yeah, he's not just like a standard four point five. He just happens to play minutes. He's genuinely the kind of player who can. Um, yeah, score goals or maybe even brace in a really good fixture. That can happen um, as well. Um, I, I would think... say that... Sorry, mate. I, I was just okay. going to say that the longer Sheffield United go without scoring goals and not doing whatever, there, I think there is like a chance like we've seen other managers do recently, like they change it up and maybe Arch comes out. I know that he's yeah, probably a step above and they don't have a lot of options, but ultimately the job of the manager is to try and change things sometimes to make it work. So... Yeah, I hope Archer continues to play and continues to you know score some goals and stuff and keep himself on the team. But I don't think it's out of the realms of possibility that eventually Archer might come out of the team just to try it different. I think one of the criticisms pointed at Archer is that he's kind of that um, that player that doesn't particularly help the team overall. He's just like a very lethal finisher, isn't he? And it, like for a team like Sheffield United, you almost kind of need players to be chipping in as much as they can. I don't know if that's yeah. a fair criticism. It's just what I've read. But yeah. I guess the question that um, a lot of people have is is Fernandez is in there. Like a lot of people will just be thinking, United are rubbish. Why do you have Bruno Fernandez? Yeah, I think that's a good um, thing. I, 
because yeah. that, that makes me want to keep him. And then, yeah, I hope people do sell him because I, I, he is just a fantastic pick, I think, overall. And after the City as game. As a Man been. After, just after the City game, the fixes are unbelievable as well. And it's just like, I know people say like they're awful, they're immediate sells, but they're not going to. Then, Like Rashford and Fernandes are not going to not score for the rest of the season. It's going to turn around at some point and it could be against Brentford and Sheffield United and then suddenly everyone will want them for that run of Fulham, Luton, Everton. And so I think if the wild card does go badly this week for people who play it, I think it'll be Rashford and, and Fernandes that are the reason, most likely. Um, and yeah, if, if you, it seems viable to only have one of them or would you consider having both or do you think there's an argument for Rashford over Fernandes? Um... I, I prefer Fernandez just because I think at the moment, the way Rashford's playing, I don't really have any... It doesn't influence me the fact that he's not playing particularly well and he hasn't been doing points. That's not what the consideration is for me. The fact that his minutes seem slightly riskier because he's been getting subbed off the last couple of games because of the way he's been playing and the team's functioning um, yeah. means that therefore he's a slightly worse pick. I, like you, I don't have any doubts that he will sort himself out eventually and start scoring, but... I don't really want to have him over Fernandez when he might get 70 minutes in a game compared to you know, 95 or whatever. His underlying data is not that different to last year either. He's just, yeah, he's obviously playing badly. Um, yeah, but it's more that that playing badly might impact his minutes. Mm. I think mm. if he does play regularly still, he'll he'll be a threat. So he's I think someone most... in the chat... Sorry, go, go on, on. Carry on, mate. No, I was going to say, sorry. I think he's had the second most shots or something in the league so far. Or... So he's like right up there. He's still getting chances and shooting regularly. Um there's like no doubt the team are playing badly, but I just with the, the quality of the the players they have, um, yeah, that the, the, they're not gonna that's not gonna happen forever, and I think with those fixes, I'd, I'd bank on that um, changing soon. That would be that would be where I'd I go with it. And and yeah, Fernandez, it's penalties as well, isn't it? Just that yeah. was a big thing. It would be yeah. really nice if that finally came to fruition because we have been saying that every <laughs> single week for a yeah, long yeah. time. And um, even with um, a quick question on Spurs, is that what you're about to mention from the chat? In terms of Richarlison, <laughs> do, you, do you think yeah. Richarlison's an option with the injuries they have at the moment? Which is uh, who are the players that are out at the moment? Sol- is it Solomon? Yeah, Solomon's out. Yeah, um, and um, Brennan Johnson. Brennan Johnson's injured, mm-hmm. and then Son Absolutely. himself is obviously carrying a bit of a knot where he probably yeah. goes off in games. So I get it. He's probably got quite secure minutes at the moment. Um, I do find it funny. I think someone said it in the analytics Discord before, a Seamus, and it just made me laugh. It was. Um, a lot of people started the season with Richarlison. He was playing up front with secure 90 minutes and people were tr- looking to hit the guy out after three weeks. Yeah. And now he's potentially playing left wing <laughs> and people are looking to bring him into their teams. like, yeah. um, And even you know maybe get him in at the expense of other players. It's funny how these things work in, in mm. fantasy football. Um, I think he's a fine pick. I think he's, he's okay. But I don't really like it because I just don't think that he performs that well on the left wing overall and I know they've got injuries at the moment but they will change and I think there are other options that you can use like I've memed a bit saying well maybe you could have Poro right wing and could move you could have Emerson right back and Kulazeski left wing but we've seen so far that he has actually changed that left wing position quite a lot in all the games he's played it doesn't necessarily just mean that Richarlison is definitely now getting it um the alternative yeah. is that is he could move Sun there I guess and Richarlison back up front and suddenly he looks good but um yeah, I, th- I think he's fine. I just think that structurally it causes you an issue as well. Because if you go Richarlison, Son, Madison, I personally like either Udogi or Poro for like a longer term hold. And I just, you know, I, I want to keep them there. That's who I've got over Dallow. So I completely get it if you're like a Dallow um, 
dedicatee and you want to have him in your team, then it makes sense in this setup. You could have him over in Bomo here and, and that would work fine, I think, if you could make it work money-wise. But yeah. for me, I've, I've got the Spurs defender. And I don't want to piss around having to take Richarlison in and out, basically. Yeah, yeah I get that. In fact, something that's worth mentioning is uh, it just triggered my memory because FPL optimised during the chat, which I presume is Sertalp rather than Bass because um, Sertalp started with Richarlison, which is... <laughs> I think the reason for his sad face in the chat reminds me of that. <laughs> yeah. um, he's a good it, pick. He's a good pick. You're getting yeah, validated yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, and I think, um, so on the FPL Optimised on their pod this week, which I think just came out yesterday, I listened to it today with FPL Trout. It was really good, but they... I listened to it too. It was great. Trout was saying he was really sceptical of Richarlison's EV on review because if you move his minutes to the same as Son, he's basically as good as him. So he thinks it's potentially, there's a chance that maybe it's, underestimating the the certainty that Richarlison will now play on the wing, uh, maybe. That was his kind of general theory on it, because it's really hard to believe that they would be the same EV based on that. Or maybe it's overestimating the chances of him being on penalties or something like that. Um, that was just his read of it. Um, so or just being it. as good a player as Son. I mean, that's surprising, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Some, there has to be something that's kind of causing them to be the same. So maybe it's overestimating one of those things. And yeah, these are all the things you need to consider when you're using review. Like it's you've got to uh, kind of try and judge these things as well and work out what's best in the context of your team, work out risk, etc. I know we repeat it every week, but it's always worth mentioning that yeah. you don't just, there's a reason why if you look at analytics teams, they're all so different and about 30% are probably wildcarding this week, about 30% will wildcard in 10 and about 30% will wildcard in 19 or something. Mm. Like you get a split despite a lot of people using the same data and same tools. Yeah, um, and Richarlison can go absolutely massive against Luton. Like there's no, yeah, there's yeah. no doubt. He's yeah. sure. Like he could, and the thing is, if he braces and then they suddenly get a penalty, that, that's exactly what could happen with Spurs. Is one of them could brace and they get a penalty. The player who's on a hat trick takes it for their hat trick, and we still don't even know who's on penalties because we don't know if that's the reason they took it. <laughs> that would be absolutely classic. Or Sun could be off the pitch, and Madison's carrying a knock yeah, as well. Like yeah, Richarlison's in. He's in the frame for penalties. He's in and around it. I don't think he's first yeah. choice, but he's he's in and around it. So yeah, it could, it could happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, is there anything else you wanted to add to this team? The, the only other thing I'll show now is I basically on this next slide I've got this team uh, next to a team where I force included Haaland. Um, and the, the only reason I wanted to include that was to just show that this team doesn't include Salah, um, which is why it's just why I don't think this is viable. I also had a quick look at a team where you force include Haaland and Salah, and there's again just a lot of things you end up sacrificing: potentially Trippier, potentially Watkins, potentially that fourth or fifth midfielder being worse um i think one of them had like pal torres over cash that kind of thing so but i mean we've touched all those things earlier in the podcast so i just kind of wanted to show that so this is what a draft would look like with just harland um but it's not to show you that that's viable it's to show you that when you do force include him it excludes salah um which just yeah which is like really i just don't think you want to go without salah personally which is this is one of the reasons i'm just so convinced on the fact that if i was wildgarding i would just lose harland personally um, it's just it's funny like seeing all that stuff like being on FPL Twitter because you you've got a load of analytical players who are like <laughs> it's like you're the unusual weird one if you don't sell Haaland and then you've got and like the in FPL Twitter world it's like people are joking about selling Haaland and like, they're like oh obviously I would never actually do it kind of thing 
There's yeah, I'm seeing more people coming around to it. Yeah, I think yeah, there the, are more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's merges all the time. I think uh, yeah. like we're getting closer and closer together all the time. Um, yeah, I think the team's great. I think that's fine as well. Like I said, I think that's more than viable. And all all it takes here, um, mm. someone talked about covering Liverpool earlier. Um, is that you know when you captain Harland, he does really well. It doesn't sound like a massive ask, does it? That's all you really need for this to work out pretty damn well and be close. Um, and then you could have your Liverpool players in there if you really wanted to. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, think you could have Diaz over Rashford or Fernandez or something. Yeah, if you really wanted mm. to. I mean, yeah, I, I, it's very easy to see it working. I mean, the team that I built in 10 does have, um, which I'm, I'm not doing anymore because I will hit the button, but it did have Salah and Haaland and Watkins. And I thought it was, it pretty much covers all those players mm. as well, really. Like, I didn't lose out on anyone. Like I can actually read it, the team that I've got here, so people would just, if they wanted to look at it themselves. But it's Turner and Ariola in goal, so maybe you lose out on the extra goalkeeper, mm. really, because Turner, I'm not sure you can count him, but he's there at least. Cash yep. Zinchenko, Burn, Porro. So it's pretty much close to everyone's got. And then I've got Bayer. So you sacrifice one defender position for like a four million. That could be Lamptey, whoever, just some cheap defender. In the rotations, when I looked, he was last on the bench every single week anyway, and it didn't really matter. But obviously, we, you can never guarantee that you're not going to need him. Mm. The real the real difference was the midfield, where um, Sun, Madison, Salah were there, and then it, I just had Diaby and Ward-Prowse. Now, Diaby's got injured since, and Ward-Prowse is cheap, but those two could be cheaper midfields. They could be Matoma. They could be, mm. would have been Eze if he was available. You know, you could have Mbomo like you've got there. You've got Neto. You've got other cheap, basically two around the six million price in midfield. It was fine. And then you can have Haaland and Watkins up front. Now, if you wanted to change Watkins to Alvarez or Darwin, then that gives you the money to either put Ward-Prowse or Dabby up. And I think that's a more likely what you'll see on FPL Twitter, like in terms of game week eight card. I think it will be closer to that, where they have got both of those two, Harland and Salah, but they have managed yeah. to fit those teams in. It's just a little a little thinner on the bench, basically, but not too yeah. much. You've Archer, a cheap midfielder, and then a four million defender. I think you'll see that a lot. Yeah, like it definitely is like, yeah, well, I'd say this team with just Haaland, I don't think that is... Well, it is viable in the sense that it could easily do really well. Of course it could, but I just... We're talking fine margins, and I, I still just don't... I would def, just wouldn't consider just having Haaland personally. I think Salah's too essential during this period. But mm. yeah, in terms of Haaland and Salah, like, it's 100% is a viable option. Um, like, you can do it. I don't think it's the right thing to do. I think the right move is to, to sell Haaland and just have Salah for the majority of teams, no matter how good your team value is. But that could change in a couple of weeks as well. Once um, Haaland has, wait, who's Haaland got this week? Arsenal, yeah. So he gets past his worst fixture now, and then maybe from next week you might see a bigger split in kind of wild wild card in uh, wild in wild card nine drafts. There might be more of a split uh, of people having Salah. I think it'd be more Haaland popular or, in ten. Yeah, yeah, and again, maybe even ten as well. But yeah, maybe I guess it's quite they're quite even, aren't they? The two of them in ten, in nine. Um, but yeah, but. Yeah, that's just how I'd view it. Um, should I just have a quick look through the chat for any questions we might have missed before we finish? Sure, sure. Was it unless there's anything else you wanted to particularly mention? Um, just say Zinchenko versus Gabriel. I do think that's pretty close. Yeah. Um, I suppose that the, the point is from both of those two players, you could say we don't know for sure that they're they're both nailed because you know Arsenal haven't had all their players fit and available and Partey back and everything. So I don't think you can say it for absolute certain that both of them now Zinchenko does often get early subs. You know, it's a more stressful position. Yeah. I review prefers Zinchenko and I think I do as well because I, in some of the games he is just playing incredibly advanced. I just think from open play he's he's at more chance of getting bonus as well, mm -hmm. maybe getting the odd assist. 
so it kind of appeals a bit to me. But Gabriel at that price, I mean, if you go back in previous seasons for review, he would <laughs> he'd be in every single t- absolute lock, wouldn't he, all over the place. So maybe mm. it's overthinking to go Sinchenko. I don't know. I think it's very close. I haven't decided which one I'll go from them. Sure. I think if, yeah, I would go Gabriel. I think if I go for one of those two to save the money. I think there must have been something going on in those first two games, whether it was linked to the news that came out about Gabriel like having an offer or talking to a Saudi team or not, whether it was something else. I don't know. I just feel really, just felt so weird that for those first two or three games he was randomly dropped and now he's suddenly starting every week. I don't know. Maybe he was just experimenting. Maybe there isn't. Maybe, yeah. No. I think it is linked to Zinchenko being injured and Partey then getting injured. But he's performed well since, so does he want mm. to change that up? I still think Zinchenko is the better option to have at left back than Partey is at right back. It just, it just now there's back. There's an opportunity where he could spring a surprise or a rotation and switch that inversion round in any random game. Like that's still a threat that's there. I just, you know, if it happens, I don't think it's going to happen regularly. And and that affects both Zinchenko and Gabriel, as we've already said. So it's almost like, okay, what if it affects one? You're gonna be fine. Yeah. Cool. Um, there's a few questions in the chat we've missed, so I'll read them out, but we'll just do them more quick fire. Um, in fact, Ephiel Spartans doesn't ask a question, just just mentions the fact that you're doing very well in the Sky game, apparently, Luke. So oh, I always do, I always do, don't I? I'm absolute <laughs> G of Sky. Nah, <laughs> nah, cheers. <laughs> yeah. uh, cheers, Spartans. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's been a decent start in that. I think I'm 300th or something, um, 310th, but... Yeah, uh, enjoying that game a little bit more, but I've been absolutely done over by injuries this week, mm. so I shall be dipping down. I've got Eze in my team, Estupan in my team. Rodri got suspended. Uh, what else happened? Saka got his injury where I don't know if he's going to play. Uh, Dunk, I thought, was injured, so removed him, and then he turns out he miraculously turned back up. So, yeah, it's probably all downhill from here. Do you, uh, <laughs> are, you, are you playing any other fancy games or just those two? No, just those two. Yeah. I don't have any time. Well, UCL actually, but that's extremely casually. Oh, like yeah. literally log yeah. in two minutes before line. <laughs> yeah, the game starts and just pick players I like. Yeah, I don't, I've never played that. I like, yeah, I think I tweeted a joke about just copying someone's team and seeing how well it does and then tweeting about the fact you're doing well or deleting your team after one game week. But well, that's what I did last season in UCL. <laughs> you I actually did I, that, yeah. Pretty much. I, uh, <laughs> I contacted, um, oh God, well, I've forgotten his name. He's come Cass. off of Twitter. That's it, Cass, thank you very much. Yeah, I just asked him for his team. He gave me his team. He ended up tweaking it and picking a different team. And I was like 300th in the world by like the quarterfinals and the semifinals. I literally beating everyone somehow by pure luck. And then I missed the deadline. So I don't know how I even finished in the end. But um, it does work, ladies and gents, to just copy random content or just random people and just get lucky. That's all you need. Yeah, 100%. Great strategy. Um, (laughs) Any any thinking on why there's so many injuries so far? Is this coincidence or volume of football or something else? I can answer that quite quickly. There's not actually, so far this season, in terms of instances of injury in the Premier League, they're not actually higher than they were last season. Um, there's just probably generally quite often the perception that that is the case, particularly when they happen to happen to key players or happen to FPL picks. But in general, there is a higher instance over the last few years in general, it, well, even over the last decade. And yeah, it's almost entirely uh, yeah down to just players having to play more games. Um, but if the games stay at the same rate, and then as the sports science support improves and players teams develop to have bigger squads, that should then reduce over time as well. Um, so yeah, it prob- that probably is the main reason. There's probably a number of complex reasons. That's probably the main one, um, to be honest. But yeah, actually, it's not, in, in terms of the numbers compared to the last season, it's not actually higher at the moment compared to last season. Uh, similar thing. Yeah, it's just a kind of our perception maybe of it. 
Do you think it's also to do with the standard of football was worse? So back then, like players could play more with a knock or didn't really flag it up, and the science wasn't good enough to pick it up, and so they just let people play like half injured essentially, and it didn't make much of a difference. Or is that? Honestly, I don't know. How, I don't know. It's more that I just know that it's increased in the last like ten years. I don't know how many records there are actually of injuries before that, and in terms of actually being documented. Um, but yeah, it's also I guess it's also like the speed of the game and things like that. Mm. Um, potentially, but yeah, in terms of the top level, that's where you tend to see it, and it's yeah, it's the it's the it's the quantity of games, and you also get young players. You get players who just have their careers killed just by playing way too much when they're young, and then they come through and they just have a career just full of injuries. And what you tend to see more recently, or what you tend to see better coaches and clubs do, <laughs> is to manage that better with younger players, which is what you've seen, for example, with Foden. They obviously have a big squad, so they're able to do it at City, but he could have played way more when he was younger if they wanted to. Evan um, Ferguson. For example, yeah, Ferguson as well. Deserby's clearly doing that. There's, a, I think teams are more conscious of that now and are more aware of the risks of mm. over-playing um, players when they're, when they're younger and they can knock on health and performance impacts of that, basically. Um, Everyone sit yeah. at home and pray for Saka now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, he's getting played whatever, isn't he, at the moment? Um, yeah uh, uh, is everyone overlooking Almiron again is a question in one word Luke I met, I mentioned him like when, when was you? the last pod we did yeah I don't know if it was with you I said Almiron's actually looks yeah. pretty good no it wasn't with you it was with um, Average said, FPL oh okay yeah yeah. when I did that I said uh, New, well Newcastle's attack's great their attacking numbers are great and it's like yeah. well if you need to pick an attacking player from them which might actually be, be a good idea it's actually quite tough because obviously Wilson and Isak rotate who else do you pick and Almiron just ends up being the default guy at that point. Um, you know, it probably should have been Gordon. But I didn't realise how nailed he'd be with, with you know, Barnes there and Isak playing left wing. Um, yeah, that wasn't one word at all, was it? Al- Almiron, I think, is a fine pick. I think he's fine. Um, the, the fixtures are now dipping a bit, so I wouldn't have him in. But maybe, like, go back three weeks ago, he was a, was a fine pick. It's just a midfield again. It's so hard to find players in that position. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Any thoughts on Hoyland is another question. Yeah, what do you think on that? I'll, I'll throw it back to you because I keep talking, but I, he he is he is enticing because the fixtures are there for me at least. Yeah, I think he's a really good. I think he he seems to be a really good player. Now I can't just sit here and claim to know loads about no loads about him. The first time I watched him play is since he's played for Man United, and yeah, early signs are that he looks really good, and so I think he potentially could be an option in the future, but isn't one right now. In terms of it's quite, it'd be very risky to get him now with the other options in terms of Watkins, Alvarez, Solanke. But yeah, I don't think, I don't see any reason why he might not. Well, he might wouldn't become a an option in the future. Um, seems like a really good player. Yeah, and that's just. Mm. And I don't have a strong opinion on it because he's not been in the Premier League for a long time. Mm. He hasn't got the greatest goal scoring record, but I think he's a fine pick at that price mm. and yeah, for the, the fixtures they've yeah. got. He, mm. He's fine. It's just yeah, you're kind of relying on Man United, and then where are you going afterwards? I guess there's. I think there's. I mean, Slanky to me is just a better pick who's cheaper because he's got the penalties as well, but he's still fine. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I suppose the last question, which summarizes the pod well, has tonight helped with your wildcard team? Has it helped you pick your team or make any decisions? Luke? No, it doesn't help <laughs> at all. I don't know what I'm doing. No. <laughs> nah, it, I'm sure I'm sure it has, but I'm, I've always, you know, it's hard to convince me of anything. I'm a stubborn bastard. Um, even review struggles to, to twist my mind once I've settled on it. That's probably my biggest weakness, I would say, is I sit down and maybe do a plan and then I almost get wedded to it. And that's part of being a sky player where I can plan it out for ages and I like the plan and I want to follow through with it. And here I kind of made my game week 10 plan and I almost want to make my wildcard 18 fit into my game week 10 plan because I, I don't want to let it go 
Um, but I've got a day off tomorrow. So t- literally tomorrow, I'm going to sit down all day and come up with a master plan that's going to work. So we'll see. <laughs> Love it. Nice. Um, great. I think that's us then. Um, yeah, just like we've had loads of people watching live tonight. Yeah, between 80 and 90, which is great. So thanks everyone for listening in. Uh, we yeah, really cheers. appreciate it. Um, we won't be podding next week because it's international break. But we'll be. I think it's me and Ben the week after that. So we'll we'll see you then. I just was last question: who who going to captain Luke Salah if you wildcard? I presume. Oh, I still don't know. Um, yeah, either reliable. Yeah, it's one of those two. Yeah, it's one of those two, but I don't know who. Nice. Cool. I'll, I'll be captain Salah. I think. Uh, yeah, but it's one of those. And he he plays early, doesn't he? And it's going to be a long wait for that Arsenal Man City game on Sunday if he blanks. <laughs> um, even more so for you because you won't even own him. Um, yeah. Great. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thanks again, everyone, for joining. Really appreciate it. And yeah, good luck with your game weeks. Bye bye. See you, everyone.